0: From crypto winter to crypto geopolitics, from chat GPT to AI avatars, from zero proof identity to CBDCs and new forms of GovTech. Join inventors, artists, musicians, gamers, bankers, policymakers and rebels for a discussion on how technology is reshaping our world. From our offices in Dubai, this is the UAE Tech Podcast.
1: if somebody in my organization then becomes compromised, their account becomes compromised, the attacker no longer actually needs to pretend to be them because they, they effectively are them, right? They're in their inbox. They can send emails from their email account. They can actually look at the history of their emails and, and, and understand things like the tone in, uh, and the language used in those emails so that the email that gets sent, not only does it look completely normal it's come from the normal email address the actual content of the email looks potentially all normal as well and maybe the only thing they changed was the bank account number as to where the money needs to be transferred to and so you know trusting communication and, and actually controlling our identities online as well becomes incredibly important now for organizations because you know compromised identities really can lead into you know big organisation-wide ransomware incidents and and big data breaches, as well as as financial
0: losses. It's impossible to avoid AI right now. We've all tested ChatGPT. Some of us have cute AI-rendered avatars. In the tech community, early signs of AI fatigue are setting in, even if this doesn't seem to be the case in the world's governments. But in the contentious debates ahead, one specific issue that many of us can agree with is that AI impersonation is a little scary. Thanks to AI, a digital performance of anyone's voice is becoming easy to replicate. The same thing is happening in deepfakes and one day, potentially, real-time video. While email phishing continues to be the favorite exploit du jour of cyber hackers, other forms of attack are emerging. What can we do to become more aware? How can AI help solve the old cybersecurity problems of the past at the same time as playing offense against the threats of the near-term future. We caught up with Matt Cook, Director of Cybersecurity and Strategy at the UAE-based Proofpoint, to find out more. Today we're excited to have Matt Cook, Director of Cybersecurity and Strategy at Proofpoint with us for a discussion on the role of artificial intelligence in cybersecurity. Matt, so much, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Oh, no problem at all. I'm excited to uh, to get into this conversation.
0: So can you tell us, to begin with, just a little bit about yourself and about this interest in the role of AI?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, I guess a bit of background on me. You mentioned I'm Director of Cybersecurity Strategy at Proofpoint. Um, I've been in and around technology, I suppose for 20 plus years now, both sort of working as a, a defender um, from a cybersecurity perspective, and, and obviously more recently now working with in, in security vendors at Proofpoint here, we're you know, very much focused on protecting people and defending data from cyber threats that are out there. What we're seeing with AI right now is AI is presenting us a, a massive, massive opportunity. You know, but AI for, for us as we're working in our daily lives is, is actually great. You know, I I can go in and, and use some AI t- tools in order to, you know, write a, a summary for a podcast that, that we're doing, that we're recording, and it can help me out massively. But at the same time, those tools in the hands of, of cyber criminals can really supercharge some of the threats that we're seeing, you know, increasing the, the speed and the volume of the attacks that, that are out there. So it, it's posing and it has the potential to pose real problems for organisations.
0: Yeah. And I think what is interesting about this conversation is there's already a bit of AI fatigue seeping into the tech industry. Um, yeah. On the one hand, every VC you meet is interested in AI. Every conversation really about technology involves AI. There's all sorts of events and discussions over ethics and legalities and intellectual property. But if you think about it from just a top level perspective, AI in cybersecurity does seem like it should be perhaps a bigger issue. We've already seen, as you said, what AI can do with chat GPT. We've already seen how it can code. We've already seen how it can, just based off a text prompt, create you know, lifelike characters and even 3D worlds increasingly. Now, of course, those same resources can be deployed for malicious ends. And I guess one of the things we'll talk about today is that what that new attack surface might look like in the future, and how we can guard against it. So I guess, to begin with, what would be great to understand is how do you think attackers might use AI now over the next few months, and then potentially, you know, in the distant future, what what are the things cybersecurity professionals are talking about right now, and as potentialities in the future?
1: yeah so there are some really simple i guess use cases if you like for for cyber criminals and for uh, criminal gangs you mentioned you know access to free tools like you know chat gpt and we, we can we can all leverage these types of tools and of course if these tools are available to us they're available to cyber criminals as well and so immediately with the awareness of these tools kind of grow you know cyber criminals will start to use them and one area where you know, already we start to see things are changing is around the world of phishing, right? We know that that phishing is a problem for all organizations that in fact, you know, the the vast majority, in fact our research sort of shows at point that nearly 99% of, of all threats that we see, they, they're kind of targeted at people. They require some kind of human interaction. And so the vast majority of threats tend to start with people and are targeted with people and tend to start with phishing. And in fact, I think in, in the UAE specifically, I think our, our state of the fish report actually highlights that 86% of organizations in the UAE have actually fallen victim to some form of a phishing attack. And, and obviously the impact for there is normally some kind of significant financial loss and possibly downtime and impact for the organization. So... Phishing itself is a problem. So, how does how does AI impact phishing? Well, actually, yeah, a lot of us will be used to from our security awareness training and, and seeing phishing examples in the wild. Some phishing is pretty obvious. Yeah, we can look at it and go, "Oh, you know, the, the language being used in that is maybe not quite right. The tone being used in that is maybe a little bit suspicious." And so, as individuals, we can, you know, there are characteristics that we can spot. But all of a sudden, the attackers have now got access to AI tools to solve those problems. That, 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 that actually can write an email in the style of you know, the chief executive of the company or, or whoever it happens to be, you know, they can actually polish their emails. And so they're much, much more believable. And so that gives them greater opportunity. And what that presents to organizations is actually more of a challenge in order to be able to detect that. Now, the good news for, I think for defenders and, and for organizations out there is that we've been using AI technology in our email security defenses for a long time now. And we've been, essentially, it's been easy for us to, to spot some of the bad phishing coming through, but we've been ready for the good stuff. The good stuff's always you know, always gonna be there. It's always gonna be, yes, it's gonna be harder to spot, but we've been tuning those AI and ML engines in order to be able to detect some of the characteristics and multiple characteristics of email that actually you know, represent all oh, this could be phishing. Give us that indication, it could be phishing. So you know, on one hand, yes, Phishing you know, attacks will get cleaner. They will get a lot better. They will be more believable and more likely. We're more likely to fall for them. But on the other hand, you know, as defenders, we can also use exactly the same tools in order to strengthen our defences. And we, because we've been ahead of the game, we're you know, arguably we're, we're a few steps ahead. And that's the goal: is to always try and stay a few steps ahead of the attackers to to solve some of the problems before they become problems for for everybody.
0: That makes a lot of sense. <clears throat> and the more you think about it the more kind of fascinating it gets. Because when you really think about phishing, a lot of it, as you implied, is based on impersonation. Mm-hmm. You know, it's pretending to be the CEO. And I have we have done episodes in the past with the digital identity crowd. And the UA Tech podcast talks with a very wide swath of the technology community. So, you know, we'll have blockchain libertarians who absolutely hate the idea of a digital identity. And then we'll have CBDC guys and uh, fintech guys who are absolutely working in that space. But one of the interesting things about AI is that potential for imperson- impersonation—not just in emails, but in voice and potentially even video. You know, yeah. you've seen the deepfakes out there in real time, often with you know voiceover and exactly you know, the person looks as if they're real. Right. And it's kind of shocking on a human level to see that, you know, and because so many of us are plugged in to digital reality for most of the day, often if we're at work, the potential of these tools is massive. And I I guess, you know, you need new forms of defense against them.
1: Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Sorry. Were were you going to jump in? Well, I was,
1: was, yeah. So I was going to say, but this, this is exactly the example of how cyber criminals can supercharge their threats, right? I mean, one of the, one of the uh, attack types that we've seen on uh, on the rise recently, we refer to it um, internally as Toad attacks. They're, they're telephone oriented attack delivery, and these are wow. they start threats wow. that start as email. You like the Toad bit, yeah? We we can we should <laughs> yeah, we'll it on about we'll rib it on about Toads <laughs> for a little while, um, but the, it, it starts as an email but you know it could be just fairly simple email saying hey you need to pay this invoice and 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 but there's no no values on the invoice for example and and but there will be a telephone number can you can you give us a call back in order to confirm that and and of course then you pick up the phone and you're actually talking to a cyber criminal there now that in itself represents a challenge for the cyber criminals how do they scale that business but the example that you said right there was actually you know using ai technology to mimic voices to to actually automate a lot of that as well all of a sudden the attacks become so much much more believable and they scale so rapidly and i think that's that's the challenge because ai in the hands of cyber criminals ultimately is going to supercharge them it is supercharging them and will allow them to increase the the volume and the and also the believability is uh, you know using the the tools like deep fakes as well on top of it as well
0: yeah and just so you know I think this is slightly outside of your domain but it, it's kind of interrelated and as I said we we do talk to a, a large cross section of the tech industry there's a really interesting um company called Worldcoin it was actually set up by Sam Altman about halfway through OpenAI and he's obviously got a good business mind because he realized what AI was capable of and he obviously understood that one of the key questions would be human verification you know this idea am i talking to this person am i watching a video that has this person is this actually that person's fingerprint and voice and the more ai becomes advanced the more very difficult that becomes and the solution they're talking about in in this part of silicon valley is that at some point you will have to have a biological mode of verification. So they're creating this kind of startup, which is significant, very significant investment, but but few people are talking about it yet, called kind of WorldCoin. And it has this kind of very dystopian-looking chip that scans your eye uh, you know, to some ridiculous degree of accuracy and takes your fingerprint and biometrics and then somehow uh, verifies that whenever you have an interaction online. So think of this almost as kind of the fingerprint keypad on your iPhone, but on steroids and possibly yeah. connected to the, the 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 blockchain and decentralized. So this question of understanding what is human and what is real and what is malicious and possibly fake or manipulative is going well beyond deep fakes, well beyond kind of, you know, the fake news, disinformation narrative to really, how do we tell what is real or not? So I think your industry as a whole could be in for some really captivating days ahead. I'd say cybersecurity, the cybersecurity industry is gonna face a lot of challenges and also a lot of opportunities with AI.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and what you sort of touched on there is, you know, an organization that are looking to try and solve that problem of of trust, I guess. And and it's trust that cyber criminals ultimately want to use. They want to weaponize trust. Um, and so you know steps in order to 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 address that you know, are clearly are going to be welcomed around the world because you know if I'm a cyber criminal and I can get you to believe me I can get you to do things for me and and ultimately that then leads me to my goal whether that means you've given me access to your account whether that means you've transferred me some money whether it means you've run some code for me in your organization you know that level of trust ultimately are generally is what attackers are trying to abuse because it's just the easiest way. If they can abuse trust, it's much easier for them than rather than actually, you know, trying to hack into a system and exploit vulnerabilities. If I can get you to do that work and exploit your trust in, in me, and in, you know, in the communication that we have together and the information that we're sharing together, if I can abuse that, that's my weapon. That's where you know that's that's my way in, if you like. And so that's in cybersecurity, a lot of what we have to solve is we we have to help people have trust in the communication that they have. I mean, one real example at the moment is around that we see a lot of is around identity theft. And again, you touched on that. If, if I can get access to let's, let's say I'm, I'm an organization and I I sell my product to another company who then go and sell it out through all of their shops uh, uh, and, and, and facilities. Um, if I, in my finance department, I send invoices to my to the company that sell my product on a regular basis so they can pay their bills. But if somebody in my organization then becomes compromised, their account becomes compromised, the attacker no longer actually needs to pretend to be them because they, they effectively are them, right? They're in their inbox. They can send emails from their email account. They can actually look at the history of their emails and, and, and understand things like the tone in, uh, and the language used in those emails. So that the email that gets sent, not only does it look completely normal and it's come from the normal email address, it, the actual content of the email looks potentially all normal as well. And maybe the only thing they changed was the bank account number as to where the money needs to be transferred to. And so, you know, trust in communication and, and actually. Controlling our identities online as well becomes incredibly important now for organisations because you know compromised identities really can lead into you know big organisation-wide ransomware incidents and and big data breaches as well as as financial losses.
0: Yeah, you can see how I mean trust is a, a very big word, and you can also see just from listening to you right now how significant this could be for you know any company, but SMEs and large organisations. Uh, as well. I wanted to talk a little bit more going back to fishing to understand what you guys are thinking about in terms of offense and defense. How do you think you might incorporate, now that we understand kind of what the problem is, and it seems like that the problem is potentially very significant, what kind of tools are you looking at in terms of offense and defense and how would you talk to organizations in terms of awareness and preparing for what's on the horizon
1: yeah so awareness is key right and, and, and in fact i know in, in the uae that there's a lot been going on in the with the Cybersecurity council around cybersecurity risk awareness and late raising that level of awareness for everyone because i think awareness is is so important right now because we all use digital technology every single day. And so we need to understand the risks involved with everything that we do. So raising our people awareness, great. That gives us a a level of defense, but we also need to look at, okay, what technical advances have we got in order to to keep keep that problem away? Because the further we can keep the problem away from people, you know, the better condition uh, that we're in as an organization. And and it's, uh, well, essentially everybody, right? So there's... (laughs) Going back to trust, I guess, there's one simple, simple things that that some organizations can do actually straight away is to start using technology like email authentication. There's email authentication technology out there like uses without diving too much into jargon, things like DMARC that allow us to authenticate and say, actually, this email that's just arrived and it's come through from Matt's company, it really has come from Matt's company because we've checked it, we know it's been delivered from his servers, it's been signed the right way, and we we can establish a level of trust around that. So email authentication helps us, first of all, you know, make sure that the emails that are coming in are the right ones. Going beyond that, we need to make sure that then that we're, we're actually scanning the email for characteristics of, of phishing. And it's much beyond the simple characteristics of, you know, has it come from the right place? Is it, is it someone that's trying to spoof a domain name? But that we actually start to understand things like the context and the content of the message as well. And so, you know, if you and I were exchanging emails... If all of a sudden you know, the, the language of the emails that we're exchanging change and I start to apply a little bit of urgency um, at, in order to get you to perform a task which may involve some money transfer or to give me access to something. And if, if that context has changed about conversation ever so slightly, then we need to be in a position to actually consider that. So with our email gateway technology, for example, we can pick that up and say, actually, this conversation has changed ever so slightly. Little warning to the user to say, before you transfer any money, just make sure, do your checks out of band, make sure it's going to the right place, or you know, perhaps consider again before you click on this link and give up your credentials to a website, just do that extra bit of validation. Or maybe we even block it completely because we can see that all of a sudden there's uh, the the number the the bank account number in an invoice has changed from what it had previously has been um, in that email chain, and so so there's great technology in there to to help us do that. And you you interestingly said the word proactive. How you know how can we be proactive and and almost go offensive if you like? And I think one thing that AI and ML has given us is the ability to have foresight and almost predict when attacks are coming and where they're coming from. Because within Proofpoint, we see in excess of you know, 3 billion emails every single day, we see a huge amount of the world's emails. And so we understand a lot of this context and content and everything that's flying around. And we will know, for example, if that Matt's, Matt's email account, for example, has been compromised. And we can see that Matt's behavior sending emails to other organizations have changed. But maybe we also know that actually Matt emails John on a regular basis. And so maybe John's organization needs to have some kind of alert to say, hey, Matt's behavior has changed. He's not targeted his focus to you just yet. But all of a sudden, he's asking for money from lots of different people. Now, that's something that you need to be aware of. So we have the that the only way that we can do that is with a huge amount of intelligence that we have from the world's emails that, 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 that we can pick up. And we process that with AI and ML, we give that intelligence then back to organizations to allow them to take that more of a proactive stance against attacks like phishing. And that's something that we call supplier threat protection, um, which is, you know, technology within our email gateway that runs within um, within our services. And that's just, you know, one example of how we can be a bit little bit more proactive as, as defenders.
0: That's a really good technical case study. Um, thank you for that. So we're coming to the end of our time on this episode, but I wanted to ask something slightly hypothetical um, based off what what you've been just talking about. So again, going back to phishing, there are often numbers in Dubai that, you know, pop up on your phone and it even will have the name of, of an organization that you might recognize. And of course, it's a spam call. You also mentioned the issue with emails and, you know, thousands of emails that um, shouldn't be allowed to send, and I guess one of the possible advantages of AI is that at some point we can trust it to a degree that will require less human oversight. So the AI could potentially make a decision that of these twelve thousand numbers that are making calls in a certain jurisdiction or country, six thousand of them are, you know, should be just disabled or of the 50,000 emails that are being sent, it can use linguistics or other IP checking tools or some of the other um, technical um, jargon that you used to automatically kind of flag up or even potentially block these systems. So is that something that cybersecurity professionals are looking at, the extent to which AI can help with the scale of the threats and the extent to which AI can either flag or even make decisions that in future would have had to be done by a human being.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And and you're seeing examples of the the case that you mentioned already, that actually AI and ML running within our phones themselves has a lot of that power and capability to make some of those decisions for us as well. And so we're not necessarily reliant now on cloud services in order to do everything for us. A lot of that power can actually be on. in the device that we have. But I think with that, we also have to consider that you know, it just, I guess to, to make an analogy, if, if I'm driving it down the road and, and the road is blocked because there is, there's roadworks and uh, construction taking place, I'm immediately going to take another route. I'm going to try and find another route. And it, the cyber criminals will be doing exactly the same thing. You know, we take big sweeping changes to say, let's block all of these telephone numbers. They're immediately looking for other routes. So, they're just as innovative as we are that, you, know, you know, arguably in, in some cases, even more so, and they can move just as dynamically and as quickly as organizations can. And again, even more so in some cases. So the challenge is not necessarily solving just one problem. It's making sure that we're prepared as a to stay ahead all of the time is that we're always looking forward to say what's the next thing how can we continue progressing our security how can we stay ahead and you know awareness going back to awareness awareness is really really so important to make sure that everybody understands that these tools won't be foolproof yeah you know, they might solve problems today but the new problems will present themselves all the time and so we have to be aware of what the risks are when we're interacting with digital technology in order for us as individuals to stay ahead as well.
0: That's super interesting. I love that point on, you know, today the problem is phones, but what will it be in future? On that note, um, we've held some episodes and I've done some private roundtables on um, large-scale gaming worlds. You know, we're talking about worlds with 300 million users and, uh, you know, metaverse um populated games and um websites in the future and the extent to which you know platforms like roblox have hundreds of millions of kids uh playing and exchanging real world money and tokens on some of these systems so if you guys want to ever do a slightly out there um discussion on uh how cybersecurity is going to work in gaming worlds and and blockchain-based free-to-play uh, gaming world in the future. I think that that ties in nicely to your point on, you know, the, these uh, cybersecurity criminals are definitely going to find other networks to tap into and uh, other audiences to target. Um, but Matt Cook, thank you so much for your time today on the UAE Tech Podcast.
1: Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. Great to speak with you.
0: Sponsor information. The UIE Tech Podcast is distributed by Albaweber Business free of charge. To sponsor a single episode or a series of themed episodes, please contact our editorial team or download a sponsorship press pack. Sponsors receive an article on Albaweber Business, syndication distribution on Albaweber Syndicate, email direct marketing across the region, and brand inclusion across all podcast marketing design, audio, and video formats. Albuwaba is not a PR company, and we do retain editorial discretion and quality control as an independent publisher. Companies looking to support a dialogue on technological transformation in the UAE are encouraged to contact our team.